This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to David Locke coming up here momentarily. Locke's appearance on the show always brought to you by our friends at the Murdoch Auto Group. Uh, we'll talk to David about uh, Jazz's latest signing and uh, his reaction to, well, maybe not his reaction to the All-Star game because I heard his reaction to that on Hanson Scotty. So we might not need to go there. But we'll ask him about the second half of the year and what to look forward to. Are we absolutely sure that the Jazz actually signed our song? Uh, yeah, they made it official today, I believe. I was joking, Jake. Oh, oh, I see. Uh, about the we don't know how old he is thing. No, about the uh, about the other news that I presented that oh, turned out to be. I see. A okay. <laughs> Sorry, took me a minute there. What did, what did Austin say? Urson. What did you say his last name was? Uh oh. What Austin. did Austin say? He's One year saying. older or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty funny. Pretty funny, no doubt. So we'll uh, we'll talk to David, uh, his thoughts on on what to look forward to. And I'm curious to to hear what uh, David thinks uh, Urson's role will be on the on the team. Yeah, it was Urson, Iziolda. Is he older? There, that's right. All right, out to the zone phone we go. The radio voice of the Utah Jazz, the one and only David Locke. Hi, David. Hey, guys. How are you? We're great, man. How about yourself? How's the break treating you? Uh, it's good. I, two days at Sun Valley, two days at uh, Jackson Hole, nice. and just got home. That sounds pretty good. Can you burn down the hill, uh, David, the way you always have? I mean, are you getting a little tired doing all that skiing or just fit as a fiddle? Um, that's not quite like asking me if I still beat my wife, but it feels close. <laughs> like, if I say I'm still as active at 50 as I am um, at, uh, as I say, if I'm still as active at 50 as I was at 20, I'm lying. If I still say that I'm burning down the hill, I'm an arrogant jerk. But I, <laughs> I think it's cool that you're able to uh... – to enjoy that the way you do. All right, David, let's uh, let's jump into the jazz here. Ersan Ilyasova, uh, it's officially signs uh, with the Utah Jazz. The the term that Gordon and I kind of came to uh, in regards to this signing yesterday was insurance for injury. What do you think? Is he going to play more of a role than that? So I, that's how I viewed it also, but the more I thought about it after I said that, Initially, I began to wonder whether or not there might be – he might be too good for that. Like, if he's kind of at his peak – or not his peak, but he's 33, so, I mean, he's not that much different in age than Boyan. Um, he, he is 6'10", like he's bigger. Um, he's been a pretty good rebounder his career. He's a 36% career three-point shooter. Um, you know, it might – he. That might be underselling him a little bit. He, he played 
17 minutes a night the last two years on the winningest team in the NBA, like I'd, I'd, I'd say that might be underselling him a tiny bit. Is there room for him to take minutes then away from, uh, and who's he going to take those minutes from if he does? Well, I mean, if he's taking him away from someone, I think it would have to be um, Boyan or George, the way I see our rotation. It might just be some depth. I mean, I do think that, like, so, I mean, I've said this numerous times. I think there's two areas where the roster's pretty darn good, right? Like, so let's make sure we start the conversation with a tip of the hat to Dennis Lindsay and and Justin Zanuck and his and their crew and a tip of the hat to Quinn Snyder for maximizing what he, he's been given and understand the roster's pretty good. But, you know, you're you're heading into the playoff, this home stretch, and, you're, you know, there's two scenarios that could be bad for us, I think. One is... If either Boyan or George gets hurt, I really felt like we didn't have insurance. So in that sense, I super agree with what you said, is that it's injury insurance, because I think that was a necessary piece. I just think Ursan Ilyasova might actually be pretty good. Um, the other thing that we're lacking is that just kind of that wing defender, right? Like right now, if you have two wing def- two wing scorers, you're pretty special team if you have that. We don't really have two wing defenders. I don't think Ilya Sova's a wing defender, but he is 6'10", right? So it's a little more size maybe in that sense if he needs that. Your question was like, whose time does he take? I'd be surprised if we made a big rotation change, but um, you know, let's keep an eye on it. Like, I, I, Let's just keep an eye on it. I don't, I don't really know if, I, if I'm honest on how it would, how it would play out. David, taking a break from the Jazz for a second, uh, this was just reported one minute ago by Tim McMahon of ESPN, uh, said uh, Greg Popovich on LaMarcus Aldridge, quote, we've mutually agreed for him to work on some other opportunities elsewhere, unquote. Aldridge will not be back with the Spurs. The Spurs are, what, they're 18 and 14? They're in seventh? And I know Aldridge might not be the player he used to be, but they're Do you have a, you have a clean, You don't happen to have a cleaning-the-glass account, do you? Uh, no, I don't have it up now. Uh, if anyone had, has an account, I don't, I'm not in a position where I can look up on the internet right now and I would never want to divert my focus hundred percent from the show. Um, <laughs> but if anybody has where they could look up what the Spurs are with LaMarcus Aldridge on and off the floor, I think that'll explain. Hmm. Um, if, if this, if this year is similar to the previous two years, um, the Spurs have been dramatically better when LaMarcus Aldridge is off the floor. Do you remember what a big deal it was? LaMarcus Aldridge takes a small market contract in San Antonio. Remember, like, it was Greg Monroe in Milwaukee signs a small market contract. Oh, my gosh, the world's changing. They both turned out to be disastrous deals. Yeah. Is he a guy that could help a contending team, David? I don't think so. Unless. I don't think so. I mean, he's not helping the Spurs, and they're a relatively contending team. He demands the basketball, and he's not that efficient. He's not stretched his game out terrifically from three-point. He can get you a bucket. Like, if you need a bucket, you can go go to him to go get you one. I think what's interesting on guys like Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge is just if they actually take the next step in their career and they're playing mostly second-tier guys, then that gets pretty interesting. Maybe that gets interesting. Like, if you suddenly have him in a rotation where he's playing against second teams, maybe he's a pretty dominant scorer. I mean, he can still put it in the bucket. Um, But my initial reaction is not really. He's not a very good defensive player. He's not an energy player. Like, he he doesn't play with any zest. 
Um, and I think at times has actually maybe had the opposite reaction to teams where he, he, he hurts them a little bit. Um, because of his lack of energy. Um, but I, you know, so like if the Lakers sign LaMarcus Aldridge, I think it could help them a great deal because it would relieve the burden on LeBron while Anthony Davis is still out, which sounds like it's going to be a little while still. So, like, maybe something of that sort. Um, but he takes a lot of it. He takes a lot of attention as a number one option, and he's not a he's not a great one. So, I guess the question is, if he's the number one option on your second unit, is he can he be wildly productive? David Locke. He's also a low-efficiency mid-range shooter. David Locke with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The big kind of buzzword around the Jazz going into the second half of the season, David, is sustainable. And I would say, well, that kind of depends on your definition of sustainable, right? But I'll, I'll ask you, is, is are, are, how the Jazz are playing or what they did in the first half of the year, is that sustainable in the second half? They're like, well, I don't even know. the. I'm not trying to be a jerk, Jake. I'm more reacting to other people than you. I don't even know what the question is. So, like, what are we asking? Like, they're, that their winning percentage is going to be the same? That their style of play is going to be the same? They're going to win 22 of 24 at some point? Like, what's the question? Right. Right. That's why I was saying the definition of sustainable, what that is, because I don't expect them to have uh, a better record or the same record. I, I expect the record not to be as good in the second half of the season, but maybe sustainable is can they stay as, uh, atop the Western Conference? Yeah, I, I suspect at this point that they'll finish the year as the number one seed. That would be my guess. They'll be the number one seed in the West. David, would you be proud to know that uh, your former intern, Jordan Schultz, said the exact same thing? He agrees with you. Uh, he's pretty bright. So, yeah. Um, um, yeah, I mean, he does he does great work. I, I The Lakers are in trouble. I mean, I, by the way, we're going to be the number one seed and get the Lakers in the second round. Yeah. There is a chance, by the way, the Lakers are going to drop to as far as the 60s. Wow. I mean, I, it's going to be really fascinating to watch the Lakers in the second half. Like, I mean, the, the the murmur I'm hearing is that Anthony Davis is still a little while away, right? So, ways away. So, unless LeBron, like, goes on some kick where he's determined to win the MVP, which he might, and they suddenly go, and LeBron can can carry them. But there, there are no signs that – sorry about that. There were no signs that LeBron is able to carry that team. I mean, maybe the Dennis Schroeder injury is that big a deal, but I kind of doubt it. Phoenix is playing great. Clippers are playing great. Denver's on fire. So that's Utah's up top. Like, I could very easily see the West end as Utah 1, Clippers 2, Phoenix 3, Denver 4, Lakers 5. If the Lakers slip at all, does somebody can somebody catch them? I don't think so. But, like, I, if I had to make a guess, that's my guess. Jazz 1, Clippers 2, Suns 3, Nuggets 4, Lakers 5. Sounds like you're taking the Suns pretty seriously, dude. Pretty hard not to. I mean, if you're going to take us seriously, you better take them seriously. They're what about the seventh-ranked offense and fourth-ranked defense in the league? I, when I ran my numbers at the beginning of the year, their offense was peaking out as the number one offense in the NBA. I think their offense is only going to get better as the year goes on. They've shown the ability to defend. Um, 
I'm not the biggest believer in Aiton in the middle, but pretty hard to complain. They've got a great – Dario Saric has become a, a great second-unit player for him. I think you're going to see more Dario Saric, Chris Paul pick and roll in the second half of the season, remembering that last year Chris Paul and Danilo Gallinari were the number one pick-and-roll combination in all of the NBA. I would suspect that they start to rely on Saric a little bit more. I think you might even see Saric playing along with um, – Aiton, I think the Crowder-Sarich lineup together as being small is brutally hard to defend. Mikel Bridges, Devitt, like I think you'll see that. Like Aiton, I think, will go off the floor some. I think they'll be impossible to defend with that lineup on the floor. Um, they've got a little toughness, despite the fact that Aiton's not tough, because I think Sarich is and Crowder is. Uh, Chris Paul's been brilliant. Obviously, he's one hamstring tweak away from falling apart, but I, um, that doesn't seem to be the case. Um, Devin Booker's been bona fide. Like they're good. Mikel Bridges is maybe the real story there. Like he was, he's made the jump. Like he's really good. So I mean, they, you know, my whole thing on teams is I look at see whether they have 240 minutes of quality minutes, and I think they've got 240 quality minutes out there. And Denver's going to be good again. Denver had a rocky, hungover first half of the season. I think they'll figure it out. David Locke with us here on the big show on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. David, give us a, a, a storyline or even a couple if they come to mind that you're really going to have your eye on in the second half of the year. Al Horford changes the playoff race depending on who he plays for. Okay. Uh, he's currently in Oklahoma City. I would suspect he gets traded, and I think he makes a massive impact on on the playoff race on depending where he ends up. Um, Anthony Davis is... Um, missed games and LeBron James minutes, I do think are important. And LeBron has not been as good this year. He has like, he, he is actually semi-human. Um, I think Brooklyn will win. How many games left? 35. Somewhere in there. All right. Yep. Brooklyn will win 30 games in the second half of the season if not more. Uh, so that's three storylines. What else do I got? Anything? Um, uh, James Harden will be an MVP candidate by the end of the year, and the media will have to decide whether they want to be on their high and mighty, we're going to make you pay for being a jerk or actually award you for being the MVP. The three MVP candidates by the end of the year will be Joel Embiid, James Harden, and Nikola Jokic. All Rudy Gobert. Ones. Defense Player of the Year, Jordan Clarkson won Sixth Man of the Year. Quinn Snyder won Coach of the Year. We'll still claim we're not being respected, <laughs> despite winning three awards. And, oh, I gave you a lot. I gave that you the Western Conference playoff. I gave you a ton of predictions. The number one trade piece that matters is Al Horford. That was a lot. That was all we needed to know right there. Well done, David. All right. I don't think I got any more for you. <laughs> I have a, a, an attendant question as far as your MVP candidates there. Who's the most important player of those three for their team? Nikola Jokic. Did we lose Mic David? drop by David. Out. Nikola Jokic. Bung. Lock out. Brought to you by Murdoch Auto Group, David Locke interview. Are we going to try and get him back? We're up against it anyway, Austin. You want to? I'm just going to tell him thanks. Well, all right.
Uh, we'll uh, we'll get to more coming up next. You know what we're going to do, Gordon? Uh, since it is tournament time, yeah, uh, we're going to hear from a couple of head coaches coming up. We're going to hear from Randy Ray, head coach at uh, at Weber State, and uh, we're going to hear from Mark Madsen, head coach at UVU. They've uh, both been on the station, and we thought we'd uh, hear what the coaches had to say as uh, we make a push toward the NCAA tournament with a, a little hope that we'll have a few. I'm going for a few, not a couple, but a few local teams in the big dance. Let's do exactly that then. All right, we'll get to it coming up straight ahead. It is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Hurry, boy, she's waiting there for you. It is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It is March Madness tournament time, conference tournament time. And uh, all the coaches from around the state have been jumping on the station doing interviews. So uh, we thought we'd go through a couple of those, Gordon, and uh, a couple of coaches that have a real good chance at, uh, at bringing home a little hardware and going dancing, as we talked about yesterday. Yeah, it's all up in the air right now. But let's give these guys a listen. I, I want to hear what they have to say. Let's start things off with Weber State head coach Randy Ray. So, you know, you try to handicap these conference tournaments and you've seen a limited number of games and you try to figure out the best teams. You try to figure out who's hot. Uh, and PK kind of referenced it here. You're 17-5. and five which in any year, that's a good record. And you're 12-3 and three in league. And you, know, you try to throw out some of the early season stuff. And so you started 3-3. Three and three, And you played a lot of non-conference stuff on the road. I think you only had one or two home games up to that point. Um, right. So then I look and you're like, well, they were 14-2-4. 14 wins, two losses, and four canceled games. Uh, after the loss of BYU dropped you to 3-3. Three and three. But it looks like a three-team. I mean, anyone can do it. But you and Eastern Washington and SUU are all jammed up at the top of the league there. You're separated by a half a game or so. And Eastern Washington, you didn't play them, and you split the two games with SUU. So I have no idea what to expect. Can you give us any idea <laughs> what to expect? I don't know if you can ever say you know what's going to happen in a conference tournament any year, to be honest with you, DJ. Um, but – I do know, you know, Eastern's got a very good team. I know Southern Utah's got a very good team. You know, uh, we've had a really good season. Uh, but you get into those conference tournaments, and anybody can beat anybody. But um, it looks like those three teams, you know, have separated themselves. But then you got to look at, you know, what what did everybody do in, in conference play? You know, some teams didn't have to play on the road very much, and they played more home games. And so it's a little bit harder to handicap when it, the, the schedule has been so lopsided and so skewed and unbalanced. Maybe it's harder. And we didn't get the chance to play Eastern, and they were supposed to come to our place for two games. So it's hard to know. You know, I don't. You know, I think we got a good basketball team. We've had a really good season. They have too. How do we match up? I don't know exactly. You know, hopefully you get a chance to play them. So I think this year with, and, and we're a conference that. When games, we weren't allowed to make up games. A lot of conferences, they, like the Pac-12 and the Mountain West, they canceled games or postponed them, and they got to make most of those up. And we weren't allowed to. So that even made it a little more difficult to kind of say who's what and who's all that. But So it is a little bit harder to say what will happen. I'm wondering, Randy, if the situation this year versus last year weren't good last year and you turned it around this year, if it reminds you of uh, last time you went through this, uh, 2014-15, 
you weren't good, and then you came back in 15 and 16, and you just dominated. you see any similarities there? You know, a little bit, PK. Um, we had to, you know, last year we weren't good. Uh, we had to flip our roster. We brought in nine new guys, and basically we got, you know, our top six guys were all new from last year. And that's been a challenge because we've had to try to get this team on the same page and playing together and buying into team and all that kind of stuff. And that took us some time to do that. But, uh, but, but it is a little bit similar in the fact that uh, we weren't quite as good. And then, you know, we got better the next year. And, and I feel that way about this year's team compared to last year's team. We're much, much better than we were last year. And, uh, you know, we just got better players. We got older. We got a lot older. You know, we took nine guys and eight of them were transfers just to become older. Yeah. Um, and there were some anxious times doing that for sure. But, but they worked out and they're really good kids and they bought into our culture and they really bought into playing for each other. You know, everybody told me, hey, if you're going to take transfers, you know, they're going to be selfish. They're playing for themselves. They don't care about team. And a lot of that is true sometimes. But we had these kids that we brought in pretty well vetted. And then when we got them here, you know, we let them know from day one, uh, if you're here to play for your own personal agenda, you might as well leave right now because it ain't going to work. I'm not going to play. And and, uh, and the kids really bought into it. But it took us some games to get comfortable playing together in games. In practice, you can – it's not the same. You have to play games to, you know, define who your identity is and get these kids to – to see if we move the ball and play together and and uh, take myself out of it and just play for your teammates, you know, we got chance to be pretty good. And when they started to see that working in games, then it really clicked. And we did. We got better, and, and it ended up being a good basketball team. So you've got, it looks like, an eight-man rotation here, and they've all played, you know, at least 18 of the 22 games and are all playing at least 15 minutes, right? So of those eight mm-hmm. guys, four of them shoot 40% or better from three, and a fifth guy is at 39.7. So you didn't just take transfers, did you? You were looking for a specific skill set, and you wanted three-point shooters. And none of those guys are your leading scorer. Yeah, no, you're right. We uh, when we uh, when we needed to, we flipped the roster last year. We're number one thing we wanted to do was we had to get older. You know, the last couple of years before this, uh, we uh, we we've, we've had some injuries, and the injuries occurred to all of most of our older guys. So it forced our young kids to play more, and they weren't they weren't ready. You know, and so we ended up being younger. And so number one thing we wanted to get older. Uh, and the second thing is we needed to get bigger and stronger. We needed to have better shooting and we needed some length. And we also, uh, needed some guys, just, just more guys that had, that were good basketball, good all around basketball players, guys that had a feel for the game, you know, smart guys that felt the game, skilled guys that could pass, shoot and handle. And, uh, you know, we thought we did that when we recruited them, but you never know until we get them here. And then we got them here, and we, and we felt like we, we addressed those needs pretty well. And so uh, we, we, had, we had been shooting the ball really well. We are bigger, stronger. we got bigger bodies. We're older. Uh, we've got guys that have a good feel for the game, smarter guys that, that figure out the game. Uh, and so we were looking for specific things, obviously, because last year we didn't shoot the ball well. And, and we were, didn't, weren't big enough and strong enough and all that kind of stuff. So 
I uh, felt like we addressed those needs, and it worked out pretty well. Randy Ray, Weber State basketball coach, joining us with the Big Sky Tournament coming up. And Southern Utah finished a half game in front of Weber State in Eastern Washington. So there's three teams that have separated. And, you know, only one can win the tournament. Only one can qualify for the NCAA. But things happen so fast. Have they gone over the protocol of what happens to the champion? Normally you'd come home and there'd be a viewing party the next day and you'd celebrate the announcement of where you're playing and who you're playing but with the bubble and the tournament isn't around the country, it's all in Indianapolis. Do you just have to stay in the hotel, wait for the announcement? Do you fly to Indy? How, how does that work? Yeah, we were told that uh, whoever wins the tournament on Sunday, they'll fly right to Indianapolis and get to your hotel room and kind of bubble up, you know. So there's no in-between time. Um, uh, the championship game will be played Saturday the winner gets on a plane and they go right there. And it's just your limited travel party, right? I mean, it's it's not going to be family. Now, your family can get out there. But, it, it, you know, even at the conference tournament, if you have family coming, you don't get to see them, you know, so we're bubbling up. So, yeah, it's, it's just going from one thing to the next. So whoever wins it, they just go right on Sunday to Indianapolis and sit in the hotel room and go practice and figure out when you're going to play and who you're going to play and move on. So... Kind of very different, right? <laughs> very different. But, hey, it's, it'd be great. <laughs> Nobody's going to complain. I don't think they will complain. I know we wouldn't complain if we're fortunate enough to, to get to that point. That was Randy Ray, head coach at Weber State, uh, as they're going into the Big Sky Tournament. Uh, Gordon, and I, I think it'd be great to see Randy back dancing again. Yeah, uh, he's a terrific coach. I mean, he always has been for many, many years. Got some tread on those tires. <laughs> nice. Getting back to he and Jay. Been around for a while. Yeah, been around for a while. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it how it turns out. I I'm I'm curious to see if they can do it. And that's really the beauty of this time of year. I think at least one Utah team's coming out of the Big Sky. That's my that's my theory. All right. Well, let's we'll, we'll see. Let's flip things on over to the WAC, shall we? And uh, UVU. Uh, um, Mark Madsen was on with DJ and PK today, and they asked him how they could capitalize on the late-season momentum. Our guys are confident. Our guys know that if we play well, if, if we execute, if we do the things that we've been doing all year, we know that we have a chance to win it down there. We have a real legitimate chance to win the whole thing and go to the NCAA tournament. That being said, we, we have to execute. We have to do those things that have – helped make us successful so far during conference. So it really feels like a couple of different seasons, Mark, because it started uh, it started pretty poorly, and you were 2-5, and five and you'd had, I think, four games canceled in there. So you're playing sporadically, and when you do play, you're not winning. And so it could have all gone south, and yet it didn't. From 2-5, and five, you know, you, you turned it around and went 9-5 and five the rest of the way, 9-4 and four in league. What was going wrong, and what turned it around to make things go right? I think a few things early on, you know, early on we went through, I think, seven different quarantines. You know, we're showing up to play teams and and they're at full strength. And, you know, we're missing some key guys that were out with some serious COVID cases. And, and really every team went through that. But it kind of, for some reason, it hit us at the start of the season. Um, and in a way that that was a positive because, you know, other guys were asked to do more on the court, and so that, that helped them gain experience. It helped them <clears throat> have success and failure. 
so that going into conference, you're that much better and you're that much more able to, to make big plays when the game counts. Most teams, or at least a lot of teams anyway, are hitting the transfer portal hard. I think you guys hit a home run with uh, the, the players that you brought in. Just this, this first season, you had some others that were holdovers that were transfers. Uh, can you evaluate how that went for you? Was it better than expected? Well, recruiting is a huge emphasis in, in, in our program. Um, you know, we kind of look at it, we kind of look at our program with a few different lenses. Number one, we want to recruit the very best players we can. Evan Cole from Georgia Tech, I mean, he fit the description perfectly. He had had a significant role at Georgia Tech. And, you know, in watching the film, we said to ourselves, he, his game can expand, can continue to expand. And so he got here over the summer, and I think the thing that stood out about Evan was his work ethic. He always wanted to be in the gym shooting. He took care of himself. He got in the weight room. And so he's kind of an example of recruiting a high-level player and then putting a lot of work in on a player development uh, standpoint to, to continue to improve your game. You know, you, you probably don't see the gains on a day-to-day basis, but week-to-week, for a player that works, you're going to see major gains. And so, um, but yeah, I mean, recruiting is a huge part of it. We, we want to recruit the best high school players in the state of Utah. We want to recruit the best transfers we can find, and we want to put together a competitive team every year. So one of the guys that uh, you brought in, uh, Fardaz Amak, if I'm pronouncing his name right, averaging 15 rebounds per game, not just leading the country, but leading the country by a couple of rebounds per game. Now, for a guy who's playing with the Lakers and wasn't exactly, you know, the star player who had the shots run for him or or plays run for him to get the shots because I guess Shaq and Kobe got a few more shots than you, uh, how much do you appreciate that? How much did you value that? How much did you know you were getting that when you went out to get him? Well, I think right when I took the job, you know, we, we sat down as a staff and we said, who's in the portal and who do we need to bring in? Because we had to bring in some players right away. And so as we, as we studied Fardaz, as we watched his tape, he was averaging about four or five rebounds in 13 minutes a game at Mercer. And so I watched the tape and I said, I, li- I liked everything I saw with Fardaz because I saw the soft hands. You know, I saw the speed, the agility. We brought him on a visit and at one point, uh, somebody threw him a, a lob pass. He caught it with one hand and, and laid it in. And I, I knew right away that, that Fardaz was special. But to lead the nation in rebounding by a huge margin, and, and by the way, some of the numbers that Fardaz is putting up rebounding-wise in terms of rebound percentage, the rate at which he's rebounding, have not been done in decades. Um, but he's done it through his hard work. He, he put the work in. Last year when he had to sit out, um, he was with Coach Phillips, Todd Phillips, who used to be at Salt Lake Community, working on his game almost every day, uh, film sessions, I mean, I mean everything. And, and his, his work has propelled him to the next level, and he's a huge part of the success that UVU has had this year. So you're going to get the uh, winner of uh, Rio Grande Valley, New Mexico State, you swept the Rio Grande Valley, and they had the tragedy with the coach. New Mexico State has been a power uh, around basketball, really going back before the league, but we know that they've been a very good program. You split two close games with them. 
How do you handicap what's potentially ahead? Well, you have to prepare for both teams. Yesterday we brought the guys in. We watched a film breakdown on, on New Mexico State. We watched a film breakdown on UTRGV. And, and so you have to be ready for both. And in terms of uh, the on-court preparation, you, you know, you try to find those areas that apply to both teams. And, and in this case, there's probably two or three things that, that we're really going to focus on today and tomorrow for sure that, that apply equally to, to both possible opponents. And, and then you drill in even more, and, and then you, you kind of get more specific with it, and you, you know, you, you have to, if you put in the preparation and the hard work early in the week, then when you get to that game, you can go out there with confidence because you know that the preparation, the hard work, and the, and the due diligence is all done, and now you have to go out there and execute. So there have been a lot of things that have changed this year. Uh, we've seen some leagues still play home and home, but a lot of leagues have gone to play in two games trip, cut down the travel and all that. Uh, obviously, recruiting has changed. There have been, probably been other changes along the way, more online classes. How much of this stuff is just kind of one-off for the pandemic and it'll go back to quote-unquote normal? And how much of this do you think is altering college basketball and is going to be the new way of doing things? Uh, that's a great question. That's a great question. Um, I'm sure, you know, around the country, a lot of budgets are down. A lot of athletic department budgets are down. And so the, the cost savings of playing a back-to-back are huge because you cut down on travel. You, have to, you, you, you don't have to switch hotels, fewer flights. But it, it does take a toll on the players. Um, you know, every coach wants to win. <laughs> and in back-to-backs in the NBA – you know, you have, you have a whole staff that's dedicated to the physiological performance and the load management is the buzzword in the NBA front office, load management. It, you know, in college, we don't have the load management experts. And so, you know, shoot, we played our top six or seven guys at times 25 to 35 minutes on back-to-back nights. That's hard to do. That, that, that's really, really hard to do, especially in college basketball, where in college basketball, every minute is, is played with the utmost intensity. Sometimes in the NBA, early in the game, the guys might be coasting a little bit just because there's so many games. But uh, I think it's about the well-being of the players um, on, the, on the scheduling standpoint. And then from the recruiting point of view, we still can't go out physically to recruit players. And now it's been pushed back. Till May 31st, and so that's been a challenge. And I think all of us are excited to get that window back open and get out there and, and be sitting down with these recruits face to face. That was Mark Madsen, head coach at UVU. All right, Gordon, I, I asked you this question yesterday. Now you've had a, a, another day to digest, to ponder, to contemplate. How many teams from Utah are getting in? I'll say three. You talked me into it. I said two initially. But after listening to you, I, I concur, three. I think three is more likely because I think yeah. Utah State has a good chance. Well, I, we, Utah State-BYU, we're kind of thinking that, uh, that they're mm-hmm. probably in, right? But I think, yeah. you know, Weber, Weber, Southern Utah have a good chance to top two seeds in that tournament. And I think UVU has a good chance to the second seed, uh, I believe, in that tournament. So, uh, and they just beat Grand Canyon, who's the first seed. So I think there's I, – I think – We'll see on three, Gordon. Maybe we'll miss, but I, I'm feeling more comfortable with three. We'll see. This time of year, uh, Mighty Mo is really, really important, and I'm not talking about the, the guy USS from the Simpsons, Missouri. Oh. 
No, I'm, I'm talking about mighty momentum. And uh, I know that there are some cases that have point, been pointed out through the years of a team that stumbled in their conference tournament and then got into the NCAA tournament and did really, really well. But a lot of times you'll see a team gaining momentum as it moves into that stage, and they get dangerous. Do they really call the Missouri the mighty bow? I believe so. Oh. I'm pretty sure. I okay. thought I remembered that. After, okay. I, uh, have you ever taken a tour through the through the Missouri? Where is it? It's uh, in Pearl Harbor. Uh, well, we went out to the. Is that the one that sunk? No, that's the Arizona, no, right? That's the Arizona. No, the the uh, the Missouri is uh, is. It's pronounced anchored. Missouri. Missouri, as Bowler, and uh, it's it's anchored right there near nearby, and you can walk through it, check it out. I've stood right where the. Uh, the signing of the uh, surrender, unconditional surrender of Japan, took place. Pretty cool. If you're into history, you would really like it. All right. We'll, uh, we'll have more Big Show coming up straight ahead. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Wrap it up, big show. Gordon Monson, Chick Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Another Wednesday comes and goes, Gordon. Time's flying. Time's flying by. Yeah, we're going downhill this week now. I mean, in a good way. <laughs> I hope. Anyway, yeah. Are you, how much are you looking forward to seeing the jazz on the court again? It seems like it's been a little while. It has been. Oh, I, I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, not to go Gordy Chiesa on you. Very much. Are you? Um, <laughs> no, this did. is honestly, this is a. Uh, oh, very much. I think this is somewhat of a unique season, Gordon. I mean, the, the Jazz are playing so well. I mean, uh, you know, there's only been a few times in their franchise history when they've had the best record in the league. Um, and and uh, they're kind of playing a, a style of basketball that's extremely fun to watch. So, yeah, I'd, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't missing it. Yeah, what's going to happen is it's going to go from the earlier question we talked about is, is this sustainable? To, and and it, prob- it will be, I imagine. And it'll turn into, will it work in the playoffs? You know, as that as the postseason draws near. And, you know, I mean, those questions are asked for, for pretty decent reasons, really. It's not disrespect. I think it's it's just, okay, show show everybody now. Show everybody what you got. Yeah, but can we really count on your judgment as what is and what is not disrespectful after your behavior with Jay today? Uh, it wasn't. Well, okay, let me just say it this way. It it wasn't meant to be disrespectful. It was meant to be a compliment. Just flat out disrespected Jay right after uh, no, he got no. off the air. Just, it, no, I mean, was bam, meant, right it, there. It, it was meant as a compliment. It was It was taken the wrong way. You know. But again, I mean, disrespectful. So that's why can we really trust your judgment? But on no, what no. Is See, and what is not disrespectful. Here's the difference: it wasn't meant to be disrespectful. It's Our just friend Jay have... Drew writes for the Deseret News, covers Utah basketball and BYU football, uh, with us here on the Big Show on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Yeah, well, Jay has. Uh, he's speaking of tires. He's got some wear on his. Calling Jay old now? Jeez. No, 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 no. I'm <laughs> calling. Gordon? I'm calling him a veteran. <laughs> it wasn't meant disrespectfully, and 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 I think intention in that case is really important to keep in mind. No, I, mean, I wasn't calling him old. Being a little older is good. He's old. Exactly. Nothing wrong with being older. It's a funny day. Funny day. Big thanks to so Jay. So you Drew. were calling him older. 
Uh, <laughs> I, I would not older as in older, but just older and wiser and experienced and uh, with a valid point of view. Yeah, I was calling you ugly, but I was uh, doing it in a nice way. See, again, it is a misinterpretation, <laughs> a missed nuanced point. I see. Yeah. I see. All right, buddy. Well, you enjoy your evening and uh, look forward to the show coming up tomorrow. I will, too. And I hope everyone has a terrific, terrific night. It is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.